Hey, what's going on, Ignite City? Hey, I want to continue through uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to pick up here in verse 11. Remember, um, so far what we've seen is Moses uh, reminding the people of Israel that are going into the promised land. Hey, remember how you've gone through the wilderness that God's provided for you the whole time? Remember that. Um, he hasn't let your clothing wear out. He hasn't let your, he hasn't let your feet swell up. Um, he's provided everything. He's taught you things. He's taught you that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, and then he's going to provide. And he paints this picture of what God's going to provide and how great it's going to be. And there's going to be plenty. And then he gives this warning. And he says, take care. Now that word take care in the Hebrew is the exact same word as the word keep that we looked at yesterday. So what he's saying is he's saying, hey, I want you to watch over, guard, hedge, protect, attend to beware of this. He's like, protect your heart. Like, protect yourself. I mean, be prepared. Be cautious. So he says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping. That word keeping is the same as protecting, watching over, uh, uh, attending to. Um, it's the same word as we looked at yesterday. And, as, and it's the same word as to take care. He says, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have, now watch this. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your heart and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. Notice that the word multiplied is mentioned three times all in one verse. So he's like, when all of a sudden you, you seem to have so much extra, that God wants to give you more than you need. But beware when you experience that. You have good houses. You have all the food that you could want. Flocks and herds, silver silver and gold, they're all multiplying. Verse 14, here's where he's saying, I want you to take care. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He's like, be, beware of pride. That all of a sudden you can look and go, look what we've done. Look what we've accomplished. Or our being comfortable does not lead us to reliance upon God. Actually, our being comfortable leads us to complacency so very often. And I use this often. I say it often. But think of, think of the times in your life when you actually prayed to God a lot. I mean, you, pour, you truly pour out your heart to God. It's during the difficult times. It's not during the times of plenty. I feel like a lot of times in the times of plenty, we're forgetting the Lord unless we're intentionally going before the Lord. And we realize and remember that everything that we receive is mercifully entrusted to us. It's by his grace. And that I don't personally own anything. That anything that I have or anything I get to do, even, even me getting to preach the word or getting to lead the church or even loving my family or getting to be married to Kelly, all of it is God's gracious gift. And when we live with that, when we live with that mentality, this is all God's gracious gift, and He's entrusting it to me by His mercy. I don't own anything. I'm managing what belongs to Him. Then we can intentionally keep our hearts and minds rightful before God, right before God, and we're and we're mindful of Him, which keeps us thankful. But friends, sometimes He has to bring in or allow things to happen that are beyond our ability to endure, so that we will once again learn to rely upon Him. When you take that, what he just said, be careful, like guard your heart, guard that this doesn't happen. When, when things become plentiful, don't forget about the Lord. Don't allow all of a sudden to jump, don't, I'm sorry, don't allow yourself to jump to conclusions that you're the one who created this, where therefore you will forget God and actually create yourself to be God or create your own God that you'll follow. Friends, sometimes the best thing, the best thing, sometimes the best thing that God can do 
is to allow us to go through difficult situations. And when I say sometimes, guys, we know that God does anything and everything that he wants to do. And he does it perfectly. In his timing, it's great. As we looked at yesterday, not all discipline is pleasurable. In fact, all of it's painful. But it brings about this, when it, it brings about a righteousness of peace that we, our lives are different because he allows us to go through times of suffering. When you connect it to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 8, when Paul says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And then he continues in verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, the one who raises the dead, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And I look at that and go, guys, that's just us remembering. It's, it's what we looked at yesterday or two days ago. Remember what it is that God has done. When we remember, hey, we've gone through things that are beyond our ability to endure. And we sit and go, okay, so I remember what you've done. You've delivered me, and I know I'm placing my hope. And this is, and this, it, hope is this expectant, uh, this expectancy that it's going to happen. What is supposed to happen is going to happen. Not this questionable thing like, I'm not quite sure if it's going to come, but I hope so. He says, on him we have set our hope, the certainty that he will deliver us again. Here in Deuteronomy 8 is where he's warning them and therefore warning us that when we have plenty is when we should be most cautious. And the part where he says, verse 14, then your heart will be lifted um, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents, scorpions, and thirsty ground, where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, flinty rock, who led you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know. Notice the, the verbs that are that are directed to God. You see in verse 14, who brought you. Verse 15, who led you. Um, verse 15 again, who brought you. Verse 16, who fed you. God did all these things, so you can't take credit for where you are. God's the one who provided you everything, and he's the one that's going to provide you the promised land. So you can't jump to conclusions thinking, hey, look what it is that I created. It always goes back to God bringing us out of something, God bringing us towards something, God feeding us in the process, God uh, providing what it is that we need as we continue to walk with him. Uh, again, verse 16, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might, now here it is, that he might humble you and test you to do, now here it is, to do you good in the end. Friends, we need to trust that God has his best interest in mind for us. Look at it again. That he might humble you and test you. And here's the reason, to do you good in the end. God wants to do good things in our lives. He's not, he's not playing games with us. He's not just bored and using us as a hobby. The times of, of humbling or when there are times where because our pride is just so big and ugly that he has to humiliate us and then test us. And the ultimate reason behind it is that he could do good. He could do good in the end in us. Guys, God is so good. And we have to remember that the reason that he allows things or brings things our way that are difficult and humbling is for our good. He's a good father. He's a good God. And he wants, to, he wants to extend that goodness to us. He wants to do good. He wants to be merciful. He wants to be gracious. 
Notice when you read through the book of uh, Deuteronomy, how often, I think it's after this in chapters 9 and 10, where he's saying, and you provoked the Lord to anger, you provoked the Lord to wrath, you provoked, you provoked. But you don't have to provoke God to do good. You don't have to provoke God to be gracious. You don't have to provoke him to do any of those things. When we read in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 33, uh, the writer, uh, most, most people say it's Jeremiah, which I agree with, says, for he does, not afflict a, he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. What he's, what he's saying is, hey, it's not part of, it's not like God is super happy when he afflicts, um, has to afflict people. He doesn't like it. It's not like he's waking up in the morning going, gosh, who can I, uh, who can I hurt today? He says, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. That's not his pleasure. But when you go over to Jeremiah chapter 32, um, I think it's chapter 32, verse 41, you see a different part of God. I mean, not a different part. That's a, that's a bad theology. It's not like God is more gracious than wrathful or more merciful than just. That's not what I'm saying. But notice, notice the difference in wording. He says, I will rejoice in doing them good. It's from his heart. I'm going to rejoice from doing them good. And I will plant them in this land in faithfulness. Now watch, with all my heart and with all my soul. So when you, when you see him, hey, it, it, it's, not from his, it's not from his heart that he grieves people. When he, give, when he grieves people or they have to be afflicted, it's not because it comes from his heart where it's his ultimate desire. But when you get to verse 41 of Jeremiah 32, I will rejoice in doing them good. And I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. When looking at Lamentations 3.33, uh, I've been reading this book. Um, it's called Gentle and Lowly by uh, Dane Ortland, And he quotes, uh, he quotes a, an old Puritan preacher, theologian named Thomas Goodwin. And Thomas Goodwin makes this statement. He says, therefore, in Lamentations 3.33, when he speaks of punishing, he says, he does not from his heart afflict nor grieve the children of men. But when he comes to speak of showing mercy, he says he does it with his whole heart and with his whole soul. And therefore, acts of justice are called his strange work and his strange act in Isaiah 28, 21. But when he comes to show mercy, he rejoices over them to do them good with his whole heart and with his whole soul. Now, friends, he wants to do good. He wants to show mercy. It's like he just, it, it brings him joy. Again, look at it. I will rejoice in doing them good. I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with my whole heart. I'm sorry, with, with all my heart, with all my soul. This is, this is him just pouring himself going, this is the joy of my being is to, is to do them good. And so when you see it here in verse 16, that he may humble you and test you to do, to do you good in the end. That is what he rejoices over. And then right after that, verse 17, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. All of a sudden it's pride kicking in. God's doing his good work. And then all of a sudden, here's the warning again. God provides, hey, be warned. God provides, be warned. Don't think it's you. Verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Friends, our sin leads us to, to destruction. It leads us to death. There's nothing beneficial in sin and rebellion against God. 
There is blessing that comes from, from abiding in Jesus, obedience, obedience to him and his word, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, being in constant relationship with him. Friends, when God brings us into those good places that he's promised, we need to then remember, don't like remember him. Don't forget about him. Remember the Lord so we don't just go off and live in complacency. Remember the Lord so we don't all of a sudden jump into pride and think, look what it is that I've done and I've accomplished. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what it is that God provides, what it is that he does, and how he brings us to what it is that he's done, which is good. Even when he humbles us and tests us, the purpose behind it is good. Ending with, and again, ending with Jeremiah 32, 41, I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. Friends, it, it causes God to rejoice to do good in our lives. At times, we may not like the wrapping that the gift comes in, but friends, the gift is always worth it. God is good, and he rejoices in doing good in us. Friends, I love you more than you know. Hope this was helpful. We'll talk soon.